Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, this is Carter Allen, and joining me in the studio is a uh, good friend, uh, Stephen Davis, who uh, is most probably. Maybe not your biggest claim to fame, but the thing, the the book that put you on the map was the Led Zeppelin Hammer of the Gods book. I think that's where everybody first heard of you, and it's great to have you in the studio. Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, Hammer of the Gods came out thirty years ago, and it's still it's still in print. Oh my God! Well, um, yeah, thirty two years ago, you know, and and um, I've got this Stevie Nicks book out now called Goldust Woman, and people ask me, you know, what the if there's any connection be- between the two, and and what I've been saying is that. Uh, you know, Led Zeppelin was the only group that I can think of that were the fans identified with the band beyond the music itself. Led Zeppelin had this sort of mystical, mystifying, misty mountain hops from, from Wales sort of thing. And Stevie Nicks is the only other artist that really that has that same relationship with her fans where they identify with her beyond the music itself. You know, there's this mystique right. that she has. And, and, you know, mystique, no rock and roll as far as I'm concerned. So that, that's the connection between those two. Well, you go to a you know a Stevie Nicks show and you see all these surrogate Stevie Nicks out twirling in the crowd. And those are and those are just the guys. You know, <laughs> the, uh, it's four. It's really four groups at those at her show, her solo shows. It's the, the people her age in their fifties and sixties, and then it's their their daughters in their late twenties and thirties, and then it's their kids in their the tweens from twelve to sixteen. And then there are the uh, the gay guys dressed up in chiffon and heels. And, <laughs> and having a great old time. <laughs> having a good time. All right, the new book, Stephen Davis, his latest book is called Gold Dust Woman. It is the biography of Stevie Nicks. You've written many books, and I got an advanced copy of this this summer, and I read it immediately because I've always had a great fascination with Stevie Nicks, and I have learned so much about her, things that I had never known, and I realized she really kind of was private. You didn't know a lot of this stuff about her. You didn't know, you know, that she was, in a lot of ways, very innocent and uh, really needed people around her to get her music out. I mean, she wasn't like the warrior woman that you might have thought of. She uh, she was had a very sheltered childhood. Her mother uh, sort of kept her inside. Her father was a business executive, so they moved all the time around the country. She didn't really have that much time to make friends. So it's an interesting story that she spent an awful lot of time in her room alone with her guitar, um, you know, trying to write songs, and um, kind of came out of, I say, this very sheltered um, childhood into a situation where she basically didn't really even have a boyfriend until she met Lindsay Buckingham after they graduated from the same high school. And so she's she has a um, uh, whatever you think about her as being the fairy godmother of rock and roll. She comes from a very um, sheltered and what she would call she calls it she says I'm a prude, <laughs> you know. She says I I, I you know I, I she, she grew up partly in Salt Lake City in a Mormon envir- environment, you know. So she's never you've never seen that much very much skin with Stevie Nicks or a, a overtly sexual presentation. Right. Know? There's been a lot of chiffon and a lot of organza, but and top hats and feathers and. And like that. But uh, at heart, she's a, a sort of a very private person. You know, that's interesting you say that because I think of her, especially back in the early days of Fleetwood Mac, you know, the, the 70s and into the 80s, where very sexy woman on stage. But it's kind of the media putting that on her. 
Mm. Uh, she never really was overtly sexual at all. I mean, mm. in 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 the way that you describe, but not like you know hanging out of her top or anything. Exactly. Like that. Well, the, and the funny thing was that when they first joined Fleetwood Mac, and and her her boyfriend Lindsey Buckingham saw how the crowds were reacting to her, he asked her actually to stop being so sexy on stage. And she said, wait, I'm not being sexy at all. I'm just being, you know, my, myself. But it was too much for him. He was a very controlling and domineering presence in her life. But she, one thing I learned from reading through your book is that she always needed a facilitator, somebody that she could bounce off of to get her song ideas out into a song in the studio. She's always gravitated towards strong presence, uh, like Lindsey Buckingham, mm. uh, Tom Petty was mm. another one, uh, Jimmy Iovine mm. as a producer. She's always recognized that she needs someone, she needs to surround herself with these people to get her music out. But she's been successful at doing that. One of my favorite stories in this book is when she went on her solo career after being in Fleetwood Mac in five years. And all of a sudden, she found herself out there on a, on a, uh, alone, on a, on a limb. Her producer, Lindsey Buckingham, didn't want to have anything to do with her solo career. She had no uh, producer, she had no um, band, she had no hit single, she had nothing. And within a year, using her feminine wiles, she had stolen the heartbreakers from Tom <laughs> Petty. She'd stolen his producer, uh, Jimmy Iovine, and she'd stolen his next single, which was Stop Dragging My Heart Around, which was the only video that MTV had when they started up in 1981 or two, whatever, so they would play, played it every hour for two years. <laughs> and through her own feminine wiles, she basically co-opted everyone around her. Now. Uh, to her credit, she was Stevie Nicks at 32 years old. She was extremely beautiful. No one could say no to her. So that's kind of how this happened, how she got away from Lindsay Buckingham, who was the only source of producing her music and found a, you know, a new way to carry on her career, which has been going on now for almost 40 years. Yeah. So uh, Lindsay's unwillingness to help her, was that complete jealousy? Oh, yeah. And, and well, remember, um, it's another great theme of this book that um, Stevie Nicks dumped Lindsey Buckingham after almost 10 years together, and he was furious. And, and I think, you know, sort of still is to this day. But um, her ambition was such that, um, and the situation with him was um, uh, that, again, he was very domineering. Uh, he could get violent with her. Um, in, in fact, the New York press over the weekend has been reporting this book as a, uh, as a, a abuse saga because she eventually dumped him um, because he was mean to her, and he hit her in public. And, and, you know, this is very resonant with what sh all, all of what's going on around us in the political climate t today. Yes. Um, but, I, you know, I do have a, a little bit of sympathy for him because for the, he, she dumped him. Stevie dumped Lindsey Buckingham. But for the rest of his career, he was contractually obligated to make her sound great in Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> and to this day, um, you know, he, he, his job is to take Stevie Nicks' song and make them into a great Fleetwood Mac song. Talking to you, uh, Stephen Davis, who has a brand new book out called Gold Dust Woman, the uh, biography of Stevie Nicks. Um, you know, I read the part where the violence really came to a head during a band meeting. And I knew there was a violent band meeting where uh, Lindsey Buckingham stormed off and decided not to be in the band. And that's where they got uh, the two new guitar players to fill in. But I did not realize that he had actually smash her head against uh, against a car yeah it, it was pretty rough he 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 was saying this was in 19 I think 87 they just put out that one of their best albums in the year uh, ever called called tango in the tango night. in the night yeah and he said I, I don't want to do this anymore I can't take it you know um, this is my girlfriend she dumped me I can't be with her every day I don't want to go out on the road and they had this tremendous argument 
um, in front of the rest of the band. And eventually, uh, he stormed out. She followed him. They got into it in the parking lot. And he grabbed her, and he slapped her, and he bent her over the back of the car and started choking her. And and, um, and they lot. dragged him off her, the man- manager, management. And some of the guys in the band wanted to take Lindsey Buckingham out behind the garage and, and, you know, teach him a lesson. But that didn't happen. Um, but uh, that was kind of the end of that um, that portion of their relationship. They, they would never really um, be friends again. She would never really trust him again. She didn't like to be alone with him uh, a- after that. But <laughs> again, remember, this is almost 30, 35 years ago. Fleetwood Mac has just signed up to tour for the next two years. So, you know, it's <laughs> still going on, this this incredible saga of, of Lindsay and Stevie. Yeah. Well, I mean, the success of Fleetwood Mac has allowed Lindsay to indulge himself. I mean, he's always been left of center in his own solo recordings. Very rarely does Mm -hmm. he, you know, put out something very commercial. In fact, I think the most commercial thing I've heard him do is this latest project with uh, Christine McVie, Mm. which I saw at the Pavilion this summer. And I think the album is is great. Sounds like Tango in the Night. Yeah, it sounds like it's some of his most accessible music Mm. in 30 years. Mm. Um, But the success of Fleetwood Mac allows him to take on these side projects and ca- carry on a solo career, even mm. if he only sells a, a small portion of the records that Mac would ever sell. Carter, my favorite theme of this book is the fact that, that um, Fleetwood Mac didn't even want to hire Stevie Nicks. Uh, when, <laughs> when, when they met Fleetwood Mac in 1975, uh, Mick Fleet was, was looking for a guitar player. And he invited Lindsay to join, and Lindsay said, you know, we're a package, my girlfriend and me, you have to take us. And so for the first two years of Fleetwood Mac, Stevie wasn't even sure they wanted her in the band. And the great theme of this book is that she went on and became a bigger star than all of them. Right. Put together, really. Right. And is still, at, at almost 70 years old, the fairy godmother of, of rock. Yeah. You describe a scene in the preface of your book, which is similar to the scene that I experienced when I first saw Fleetwood Mac, uh, at the Boston Garden, warming that, up. That's for, in your book. Yeah, <laughs> right. He warmed up for Jefferson Starship, and Fleetwood Mac was this reliable FM radio band, and they had their following, uh, and they were in the warm-up slot, but it was a new lineup, and nobody had seen them, Buckingham or Nicks, in this band before. And they started off, you know, with some of the standards, uh, Station Man, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they went into Rhiannon. And if anybody was like not paying attention or they're off getting a piece of pizza or something, or you're just distracted halfway through that song, all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, what's going on on stage? This woman. And she just became unleashed. I mean, and you described that uh, they were shooting a video in in your Mm -hmm. situation and nobody had ever heard this song before. Nobody ever seen Stevie Nicks before and how her raw talent and performance completely mesmerized mm. everyone. And, was, and Rhiannon was a, like a five-scene play. I mean, it started, starts out being the song that you hear on the radio, and then she completely loses it and goes into this um, completely crazy, you know, demonic possession um, and, and almost cost her her voice over those next couple of years, the first two years she was in the band. Um, and I, I, I was thinking about this today because back then, the uh, the local soft rock station in Boston was called WCOZ. I'm sure you remember, I, I remember. and they were one of the first um, stations in the in the country, if not the world, to play that new Fleetwood Mac album with this new lineup. Yeah. So she's always had a very soft spot. She's uh, Stevie Nicks has always had a very soft spot for Boston and and uh, its radio stations. Let's put it that way. Yeah. 
Well, it's just amazing that uh, that she has, you know, that 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 whole star is born, you know, story. It was just from from nothing to everything at once, and because of all of that, of course, they got really messed up. Too much success too quickly. There's a lot of cocaine flowing through the Fleetwood Mac. Uh, uh, camp for sure. Legendary, legendary, legendary abuse. <laughs> um, I have to ask you. You had access, of course. You've written a couple of books with uh, uh, Mick Fleetwood. Those go back quite a way into the '90s, uh, maybe even yeah, the '90s. Yeah, in yeah, 1990. Um, and I know you had a lot of access to inner information from him. How did you get your information from Lindsay? Lindsay didn't talk to you about this stuff, did he? No, I have. Re- I have a some. In- Two or three incredible researchers that are uh-huh. working for me that, that can go back into radio archives and, and take quotes out of interviews and take quotes out of the Australian press and the English press. And um, it's just a question of isolating those quotes. Finding and, them, and, yeah. And finding them and putting them in context with what she is saying. And it's it's one of the tricks about writing an unauthorized biography. And I have to tell the listeners that you know, I don't really know Stevie Nicks I met her once very briefly, but I, in a way, that's good because uh, if you're these uh, insiders, are sometimes very afraid to you know lose relationships, and so don't tell the whole story. Right, right. So someone like me, who's coming from outside, has a lot more leeway um, to give the reader information that that he or she might not otherwise have. Yeah. Well, you know something, I was wondering how Stephen X would react to this book, and I was because I write myself. Uh, you think about the impact you would be having on you know a subject that you're writing about, and I, you know, all the all the warts are in here, but the great things are in here. I think she would be into this book. Well, I thank think, you. I, there's no trash in this book. There's a lot of incidents. There's so it's over 300 pages. This and, stuff is true. Though. Yeah, I mean, everything happens. There's every on every page something weird happens. It's like <laughs> nothing ordinary ever happened to Fleetwood Mac. Nothing ordinary ever happened to. Stevie Nicks, you know, so it's I'm very, you know, gratified that that there was so much information that it's, you know, it's like Joe Perry from Aerosmith. He says, you know, don't bore us, get to the chorus. <laughs> and it's the same with this kind of book. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was thinking uh, just this book is out uh, the end of November here. Um, you could almost use an update already because of Tom Petty's passing. Tom Petty, they were very close. Um, I know that she that like Joe Walsh was a lover. I don't. I wasn't necessarily clear as to whether Tom was or not, or whether it was really important. What was important is their friendship. Tom Petty, definitely not. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Petty was married, famously married to his childhood sweetheart, with whom Stevie was friends. Um, and if there had been something between them physically, I'd, I'd have found, found out about it, because I, I have a lot of sources near and far from Fleetwood Mac. What, what, what she needed from Petty was... His band, his producer, and his next single, and he, <laughs> she got it. But she also got his friendship, and yeah. he wasn't the guy. You know, since he died, we're, we're hearing sort of how depressed he was, and and how he had problems with drugs and was a loner and all that stuff. Um, but she was actually such a friend to him that she would come and when he, in his lowest points, she would come and bring him groceries and try to get him to write songs with her, and it was. A, uh, uh, one of the great friendships um, of, of the rock movement, I think, as opposed to something, you know, physical or, or romantic. Yeah, she said when he was living in that uh, shack, well, it wasn't, I mean, was, we call it a shack. It was yeah. probably a very nice place. Pacific out, Palisades, yeah. Out in the woods. Uh, and he was kind of on his own. Uh, she would go over there with groceries, and she said she fam- she tried f- to stay for a while to write songs with them, but it just just couldn't work it out. Yeah, he was he was he was he was very ill in 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 his life, and he died at sixty six, which is 
you know, a, a sad thing. But you know, I've 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 gone back and, and and looked at some of the videos that they've done together, and 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 it's really one of these indelible friendships, relationships. Um, you know, that that uh, I think was one of the most important of her career. Yeah, I remember seeing Tom uh, and Heartbreak Heartbreakers at the Boston Garden in 1981. Um, which is the same year that Belladonna came out. And, you know, back then, we didn't have the internet. You couldn't tell, you know, you couldn't go online and find out that Stevie Nicks was hanging out on a tour and coming out on selected dates. It co- totally blew everybody away when she walked out on stage. She mm. walked out on stage and they did, you know, uh, Stop Dragon. I think they might have done The Insider or, or um, you know, one of those. Still, um, Carter, to this day, they played Hyde Park in London in July, and when she walked out on stage, it was, you know, 200,000 people going, <sighs> Yeah. You know, it was great to see her come out. <laughs> there was a couple in front of us that they didn't time whatever they were doing correctly, and they had passed out just before that and slept for, through most of the show, and then when the lights came up, they woke up. <laughs> And, and Stevie Nicks. They said, "How was the show?" And I said, "Well, it was really cool. It was great when Stevie Nicks came out on stage." He goes, "Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure." Yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to say this book is, uh, as a fan of Fleetwood Mac, and as a uh, as a fan of Fleetwood Mac, and now really a fan of Stevie Nicks in a way that I never was before. Learning so much about her, about her, uh, about her songwriting ability and her strength in in forging this solo career against a lot of. Uh, resistance. Uh, it's just great. I enjoyed this book, and I recommend people buy it. Gold Dust Women, a uh, woman, uh, Stephen Nicks. It is uh, Stephen Davis, who's the author of Hammer of the Gods, and many other biographies. You know, they're all your children. And if you had to pick one, would you pick one? Uh, you know, I did a book. Well, I, I I did a book with Levon Helm from the band. It was called This Wheels on Fire, and and that's the one. If if I can't sleep at night and there's two or three in the morning, that's the one I'll go you'll, and you'll read grab. a few pages to. But I love them all. As you say, they're they're my books are like your books, Carter. They're they're our children, and and they can be annoying, but 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 we have to love them anyway. <laughs> that's you know? right. Uh, one quick thing before I let you go. Um, it was great to see the sort of the postscript or the sequel to Hammer of the Gods, which was LZ75, a uh, book you did, uh, which was basically a chronicle of your tour diaries that you had lost for... All, all the stuff that got left out of Hammer of the Gods went into LZ75. Yeah, so I, just as a mention, as we close this interview, I just want to say if you enjoyed Stephen's Hammer of the Gods book, and if you haven't read it, you really, it really should be taught in like 7th or 8th grade, but if, <laughs> if you don't have that book, you should read the original, but having read that, you should check out LZ75, which is uh, the other side, or the rest oh, of... Oh, thank you. That Some, that's Zeppelin. really nice. Someone told me the other day that Hammer of the Gods poisons every new class of ninth graders <laughs> every September. So. And it keeps me in a job for the, you know, here I am, uh, you know, here playing we are. classic rock. And, here we are. And, Led, and, and sometimes people will ask me, they'll say, uh, Led Zeppelin, why do you play so much Led Zeppelin? I say, because it's the glue that holds our format together, yeah. because you like it, and you're in your 60s, and your kid likes it, and his kid likes it, you know, and 12-year-olds call me for, you know, it's great music, and and it just speaks to so There's many generations. There's been no one in our generation like Jimmy Page, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. You yeah. know, from the Yardbirds through 
through Zeppelin, through you know the soundtracks, whatever you know. He's, as, as Robert Plant called him, the you know the Gustav Mahler of the electric guitar, and and I think there's something to that. There you know? go. Yeah. Do, you, do you have the new Robert Plant? Have you heard the new Robert I love Plant? It. Yeah, it's something, isn't it? Uh, Carry Fire. Yeah. Give him a nice plug, Robert. There yeah, you go. <laughs> it's a good album. Everybody. The whole thing. There's no all killer, no filler. It's yeah. really, really good. Do you well, play it? Is it? Is it? We just got it. Yeah. Oh, you know, uh, they don't send us anything automatically. You have to go find it. So we, I found That's it. Changed. And I have it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Stephen. Nice having you come by. Thank you, Carter. And uh, good luck with the new book. Again, it's Gold Dust Woman, the biography of Stephen X. Recommended. I went. I read this thing as fast as you could read a book. I just loved it, and uh, it, it's a lot of great stuff. And good seeing you again. Okay, thank you very much. Right, take care. Cheers. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.